I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Pittsburgh sports fans, happy Friday. Welcome back to another episode of Back Through the Tunnel. That's right, DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio PM show. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host. Every Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern time is when this show is published. And just a reminder, if you have not followed us in all the locations where we have our podcast, make sure you do that. I, I don't care where it is. I mean, you think about all of them, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Anchor. I could go on. We're everywhere. Just search DK Pittsburgh Sports or even on iTunes, if you search Steelers Podcast, Penguins Podcast, we will pop up there. Subscribe because you don't want to miss anything like DK's Daily Shot. If we have one of our writers on the radio, let's say like Dale Lolly was on 105.90X today, it'll all be there on our podcast platform. So make sure you don't miss out on the thing by subscribing. If you are an iTunes user, we would really appreciate a really good comment and five-star rating to help boost our exposure. It does help, and we appreciate it. Yesterday, I was on with Taylor. We talked about the Penguins, and at the very end of the show, if you paid attention, I said, I'll see you tomorrow with a special guest. This is a special guest. It's the newest member of the DKPittsburghSports.com team. That's Mr. Tom Reed. Tom was brought in to do some long-form writing. I want to introduce Tom and give him an opportunity to tell you, the listener, and I'm sure reader, what he's going to bring to the table. So welcome, Tom. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, Jeff. No problem. So why don't you just give the listeners a taste of your experience, um, and let's start from the beginning. Let's start with your whole writing career, where you got your start, and how it leads you down to DKPittsburghSports.com. Well, I'm from Warren, Ohio, which is about 90 minutes from Pittsburgh. I've always described it as kind of the epicenter of the Steelers-Browns rivalry when the Browns are winning, which you really have to dust off the, dust off the history books right now. Uh, it's usually a 70, 30 percent uh, Browns town, but uh, um, you know, since the Browns have returned in 99, they just haven't won. I think it's more I haven't lived in, in, in Warren in, in quite a while, but I think it's more probably 50-50, maybe 60-40 still Browns, but it's a great place to, it was a great place to grow up uh, when those, when the rivalry was pretty good and when both teams were pretty good. Some, somewhere kind of in the 80s, early 90s, uh, there was a good rivalry, and then of course they, they played one more time in the playoffs before Art Modell pulled, pulled them out of, pulled the Browns out of town, so uh, it was kind of a great city to grow up in. It's a big football town, uh, Paul Warfield's from there. The late Corey Stringer's from there. Uh, some other NFL players, Mario Manningham is from there. And I uh, worked at my hometown paper, uh, the Warren Tribune Chronicle, and was lucky enough, as, as a lot of small town papers are, you do a little bit of everything, right? You cover local sports, you help lay out the paper. And I was fortunate enough uh, to get a chance to cover a lot of Pittsburgh sports at the time. 
Uh, I was always a hockey fan, so uh, and the Penguins were starting to get good in in, in the late '80s, and uh, and then of course starting winning cups in the '90s. Uh, I covered the Steelers uh, during the early years of Bill Cowher and right at the tail end of of, of Chuck Knoll. And because of my work in, at the paper in Warren and because of covering the Penguins, I met my wife, Denise, who is from Irwin. Uh, people old enough to remember the, the, uh, the club Confettis. I think, over, it was, I think it's over in the Robinson Town Mall area. I met my wife there. Uh, I went in after a game on April 1st, 1989, the day the Rangers fired the coach, Michelle Bergeron. I went in with a friend who, had, who went to the game, just and I covered it, and I did not have the right footwear on. But, Jeff, I'm so lazy that I had left shoes in my car, like dress, dressier shoes. I was able to go back and put those on, and I ended up meeting my wife. And since then, I've you know just pretty much been full bore into the whole Pittsburgh experience. My wife and I have been married for 28 years. There's still times I don't know what the hell she's saying because I can't figure out her accent. Uh, but it's been it's been a it's been a fun ride, and and, it, and it's it's kind of neat how this has kind of come full circle now that you know coming back here after stops in Akron, the Beacon Journal, uh, the Columbus Dispatch, the Cleveland Plain Dealer, and with the Athletic, and now uh, and a chance to again cover Pittsburgh sports, which uh, you know I've always loved the city, uh, love the people. I even love my in-laws, so uh, I'm kind of excited for the opportunity to kind of get back and, 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 and get back to kind of my roots as far as covering pro teams. It's, it's really cool to, to hear that. Now, just out of curiosity, I, I am from Wheeling, West Virginia. I don't live there now. I live in Maryland, but I'm from Wheeling, West Virginia. Where is Warren in relation to like the Canton area? I'm trying to get my bearings in the large state yep. of Ohio. Yeah, yeah, it's right. It's right on the border. It's it's right. It's it's northeast. Uh, not not quite up all the way past Beulah, but it's right by Youngstown. If you know where Youngstown okay, is, I do very much. Just, just like ten, where I grew up was like fifteen minutes to the border in Sharon, Pennsylvania. Okay. So we were right there. Uh, like I said, it it just it took ninety minutes just right across the turnpike down seventy nine and three seventy six to get down to the igloo. Uh, it will. It will always be the igloo to me. Uh, it, it, was a, it was a special uh, place. That was a special it was, place. It was a special place, and I, and I, as as much as I like the new arena, uh, just so many good memories of of covering games and even going to some concerts uh, at, at at the Civic Arena. Um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of where Warren and Youngstown are right there on the there on go. the on the PA border. That's awesome. Now, I did read your welcome article. Uh, and it, it's on the website for anyone that can go uh, dkpittsburghsports.com. It's completely free. You can read it. And I had to laugh out loud. I, I want you to tell the listeners the story about the the game that you went to, the hockey game that you went to, and the giveaway that the Penguins were giving out <laughs> at the time because I found it absolutely hysterical. Yeah, you're. How old are you, Jeff? I'm 37 years old. So yeah, that, right. So yeah, yeah it, 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 even even now we we, we laugh. So. It was a game, I believe, in, this, in the 82-83 season. Uh, you know, the, the Penguins weren't very good, although they were coming off a playoff year. But it wasn't a very good team. They, they were basically, the next two years were spent basically waiting to get Mario Lemieux. <laughs> Tanking but, but on back purpose. In those, <laughs> but back in those days, I mean, it, was, uh, it wasn't that uncommon for major sporting events and, you know, some games to have giveaways of cigarettes. 
Uh, and the funny thing is after the story ran, about seven or eight people sent me stuff from like Hartford and other places and said, yes, we did that too. And here's a hat with Salem on it. Uh, but anyway, yeah, they, 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 they passed out cigarettes uh, to packs of cigarettes. I think it might have been opening night uh, to people that, that were that at least looked 18 years old. I, I don't remember. But we still laugh about it to this day. And, and it's funny because my friend Smitty, uh, on the way home, and, and the, the, one of the funny things about people that live outside of Pittsburgh, especially in Ohio, the first 15 times they go to Pittsburgh, they never come back the same way. It took us like 20 trips to Pittsburgh to finally figure out, all right, once we go back through the pit, Port Pitt Tunnel, right, where, do we, where are we going? Why can't we get back the same way that we came down? We always know how to come down. We don't know how to get out. Uh, but on one of those trips home, I can remember my – he was really heavy metal, really into heavy metal and speed metal. He was listening to like Maggot Brain. And I just – I was like asleep in the front. My friends, I think, were asleep in the back. And we're drifting off the side of the road. And I look up and, and my friends was smoking one of these cigarettes. We can't remember. We can't decide if it was a Lucky Strike or Winston or whatever it was. But the, the cigarette butt fell into his lap and kind of woke him up. And he pulled the car off the berm and back onto the road. We were like the only car on the road at that time. because It was like one in the morning. We should have been home like two hours earlier. We couldn't figure out how the hell to get out of Pittsburgh. So that is my, that is my cigarette. That's, that's how cigarettes saved my life. You're a storyteller. You can tell it in your, in your writing. You can tell it by the way you talk. I do have to ask before we go to our first break, you've covered Pittsburgh sports before and you've covered a lot of different teams. What is one of the craziest stories that you've maybe, maybe that you have that you've witnessed in a locker room, or maybe it's an interaction with a player or a coach can you think back, and I'm putting you on the spot here. I, I, I didn't mean to do that, but I just came to my mind. Like, what would be one of the craziest stories that you've witnessed covering, whether it's the Penguins or Steelers? Wow. I, I, um, and this was probably a common occurrence with the Steelers. I, I can remember a Steelers game uh, back in the mid-'90s uh, when the team was pretty good. That was the Blitzburg age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they, I, they beat a team like Carolina or somebody that – that wasn't very good or it was a team they should have won by 20 or 30 points. And they just made so many mistakes offensively. This might've been the Bubby Brister area era. I'm not quite sure, but the defense played great, but the offense kept turning the ball over. And anyone who had ever covered this team was remembers Greg Lloyd in the locker room (laughs) And, and Greg Lloyd just went crazy. And he just kept repeating the same thing over and over again. And, you know, these, a lot of times guys will be very, you know, very diplomatic when talking about the other side of the ball. In other words, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to pile on their, the quarterback or, or the offense if, if they don't have a great day, because they always know that there's going to be days where they're not very good. Well, Greg wasn't, wasn't having any of that. And he just kept repeating the phrase, they're messing with my money. They are messing <laughs> with my money over there. We should have won this game easier. They're messing with my money. And I'm, I'm just, standing there thinking oh my god i just guy could just take a swing at somebody at any second which is kind of what made him a good player right a little uh a little unhinged at times but he just kept repeating that phrase over and over again they're gonna they're messing with my money and i thought oh my gosh and i I was just a young reporter at the time and i'm like is this like this every week uh but yeah greg could be uh he could be quite the interview 
You could imagine, I say this all the time, when you think about some of the characters that have been, especially with the Pittsburgh Steelers, even since those 90s teams, could you imagine if someone like Greg Lloyd or someone like Joey Porter had access to social media today? I mean, could you imagine, oh, yeah. could you imagine the Twitter feed? <laughs> it would be incredible. Well, I will tell you this one other story uh, real quick, and this is since you mentioned Twitter in the locker room. Um, I think his name – this year I was covering the Browns in Denver, and I was waiting to talk to – I believe his first name is Jerome. I may be wrong on this. Whitehead. He was a Brown safety. He played the game with a broken thumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he just got buried on Twitter because he had a bad, really bad game in, in Denver. They lost. And we were waiting, and he's sitting there on his phone, sitting there on his phone, sitting there on his phone with his back to us. And I'm like, what is this guy? What is, what's going on? Well, and he had been texting – He'd been on Twitter going after people who, who, who had attacked him. And he's just like writing this crazy stuff where the Browns had to come and pick him. Like, you got to stop doing that. You've got to stop doing that. I still have a picture in my phone to this day of me in the locker room. You're not supposed to take pictures. The, I've never published it. But of him just sitting there on his phone, like responding to uh, people on Twitter. I remember that story. I think that he actually might have gotten released shortly after that. He right? was. He, yeah. He, he was released the next day. It, and it, I'm, I, I'm pretty yeah. sure it's all, as we go to break here, I will look up the name, but I'm pretty, I know Whitehead was the last name. I think it was Jerome. Yeah, but it, it's crazy to me. Like when I think Joey Porter just always comes to my mind. He's a guy that leading up to Super Bowl 40, Bill Cowher said, you got to keep your mouth shut. He couldn't do it with Jeremy Stevens just jawing in the media. And what he said about the, the Colts in the 2005 playoffs, it would be entertaining. It would be also, a, it would be a nightmare at times to cover, I would imagine. But still, those are great stories. As we come back from our first break, Tom's first article ran today. And I really want to dive into this because it was super fascinating. It was a def, definitely a unique outlook on what's going to be going on with the NHL and with the NBA in these bubbles. We'll see you right after this break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Pittsburgh fans with Tom Reed, newest member of the DK Pittsburgh sports team. And his debut article ran today. And I got to be honest, if you haven't read it, you need to go there and you need to read it. Okay. And if you have to pony up the 99 cents for a free month, then you pony up the 99 cents. Okay. I mean, you can find that in the cushions of your couch probably because it's worth the read. Tom, I want to give you an opportunity to, to let the readers give them a little taste of what you're, what you wrote about, because like I said, leading into the break was I would have never thought when you think about these teams that are going to be in hub cities or bubbles as the NBA is calling it, you would never think about what you wrote about. At least I wouldn't. So why don't you go ahead and kind of lead into it? 
Well, you know, so much of, 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 of what we've talked about, and, and rightly so, is if they're going to be able to pull these playoffs off in these hub cities in hockey, in Edmonton and Toronto, apparently, and in, in, and in the NBA in Orlando, is, you know, a lot of testing. The, the, obviously, the physical health of these athletes and coaches and management and supporting staff comes first. And if they can't guarantee that, they're probably not going to be able to, to play anyway. Uh, but I, one of the things that, that has kind of intrigued me since all this talk about uh, the, the playing in bubbles started was kind of the, the, mental, the mental part of this as far as, you know, leaving your family for a couple months, uh, dealing with isolation. Now, isolation is a relative term here. If it's like 30 blocks or 40 blocks of an area, you think, well, that's not isolation, but you can't go out anywhere past that or you risk uh, exposing yourself and your teammates to the virus. And basically what it's kind of like to live in a bubble for a couple months. If the Penguins fans hope that the Penguins are in there for a couple of months, because the longer that they, 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 they're in there, that means the farther and farther they're going. But it does take a mental toll on this. And, and that's what I wrote about. I ended up reaching out uh, to people that had, that, have been they're called biospherians the the people that have been in biosphere two that spent two years in isolation and we're talking about having three acres of of area uh spoke to people that have been isolated in a a desert in utah that that was kind of replicating like what it would be like on mars and then talked to some some researchers who have done extensive research on astronauts and uh cosmonauts and people that have gone to the South Pole and have isolated themselves. And one of the, the, the big points of the story is how quickly, is, as good of friends as people can be, it, it, isolation can wear on you and it, and it can cause friction. Uh, uh, one of the, the, the uh, Jane uh, Pointer, uh, who was the Biospherian, was saying that pe- mountains, can, they, can, they can make them into, molehills can be made into mountains really quick. And people can start bickering after a couple of weeks. Now, they were in there for two years, uh, but it, she was saying it didn't take very long uh, to to experience this problems in the Discord, and they th- all thought they would be fine. Uh, so this is one of those things that uh, I think I find it very interesting that some teams, and I'm sure the Penguins are are the same way, have probably researched this. They probably have some mental health people available for players or coaches to like just kind of be on the lookout for this this kind of stuff because it, it sounds like this is the kind of stuff that can crop up especially in a really pressure-packed time of the year these are going to be playoffs or play-ins and uh just uh, just the kind of the mental side of, of of what these guys are going to be going against yeah i mean you bring up the isolation and i, I would assume that they're not going to have these players with roommates. I would assume that they would give them a space. I mean, we don't know this for sure, unless you found out that they're not going to be, okay, Sidney Crosby, you and Evgeny Malkin have to go back to your room 325 every single day after practice, and you're going to be there. I mean, they would get so sick and tired of each other. I mean, it's not like a road trip. Like you said, this could be two months, and without seeing family and friends, that can really, really take a toll on you. But you also mentioned in the article the mental toll of – oh my gosh, I don't want to be that guy that brings this virus into the team and potentially wrecks our hopes of a championship. And as Greg Lloyd said, 
messing with my money. You know, <laughs> I mean, right, yeah, if we're coming yeah. full circle. I mean, that's a mental turmoil there that, again, I never would have thought of that because here I am a selfish sports fan. I just want to watch them play. And I guarantee you 99.9% of fans are the same way. Like, eh, I don't care about that. I just want to watch them play. But when you think about it, man, that, that is heavy. That's really heavy. Well, it, again, it's, it's one of those things that, that uh, this, I, this was uh, mentioned by uh, the Blue Jackets general manager, Armor Kekalainen, who I know pretty well. And he's a pretty progressive guy. And, and I was wondering when I reached out to him, I'm like, he just strikes me as a guy that's already thinking about this kind of stuff. And he was. And it's just, again, the amenities in this kind of campus setting in Toronto, we'd all think, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> Theater, yeah. some you know, restaurants. It's not like they're going to be living, you know, in a closed off little small area. They're not, they they're not at St. Vincent stuff. College in Latrobe. They're not at St. Right. Vincent. <laughs> right. But, but these, these are pro athletes who are used to being able to go where they want. They, you know, they're, they're just, you know, people want to get away. People want to get out to nature. They want to go to a golf course. And I have to think somewhere in here, that they find a way and, and it, all of this is still fluid, but to get guys to a golf course, because they just love to go out and hit a ball around on a day off and stuff, because right now, you know, that there's, that's that option at least has not been mentioned so far in, in, in some of the stuff that I've read. And I just find it hard to believe that some of these guys are going to be disciplined enough to maybe not sneak out, especially when you go to Toronto, because people love, especially the English speaking Canadians there's, they have so many friends that live in the Toronto area and you want to go out and see your friends. You're used to going to Toronto and seeing so many friends who come down to see you play. First of all, there's not going to be people in the building. And secondly, you have to kind of resist that temptation not to go into an area that's infected because you know, this isn't a sprained ankle, right? I mean, yeah. when you sprain an ankle, you're the guy that's out for two weeks or until you can pass tests and be 10 days already. If you come back, if you come back with this virus and infect other teammates, well then, you know, then what are you looking at? You know, and again, that's why uh, some of these teams, the teams are smart in bringing so many extra guys. I think they're allowing like 10 extra players uh, just in case something like that were to happen, but you don't want to be the guy that compromises your team's playoff chances by, you know, getting the virus and maybe, you know, infecting other teammates. And hopefully, you know, once they get in that bubble, uh, they can get started. And, you know, I think one, it's apples to oranges here right now because Europe is so far ahead of us. But in watching the European soccer leagues, they started and they've had no problems. And hopefully once, once the guys get up in, the, in these bubble places and hub cities and they, they get tested and, and everything's fine, then they will have the discipline to stay in there. I know uh, Mark Madden wrote about this the other day. Just he doesn't think that some of these guys – are going to, and not just about the hockey players, but the athletes in general may not have the discipline to, to stay in areas and not, you know, kind of breach that bubble. And it, it will be very fascinating to kind of, uh, to see if this, this does happen. I wonder if the Penguins almost have a leg up on some of the competition. It wouldn't be the entire roster. But if you remember when Sidney Crosby and the Penguins had the mumps in their locker room a few years ago, 
And, and literally they had to have, there were certain precautions that had to be taken because my goodness, I mean, it wasn't just the penguins There were other NHL clubs that had this, the mumps. And these are players that have all been vaccinated and gotten boosters before going and playing international play in the Olympics. And here's this contagious virus that is going throughout the locker room. I wonder if players remember that and kind of recall that, but here's another aspect that I didn't think of. You have a Toronto. I mean, that's, that's, that's like a hockey Mecca, you know? And what are they going to do for the fans that are going to show up and maybe stake out a, a hotel room or things like that? I mean, for crying out loud, the, the Steelers travel to New England. Boston fans find out where they stay. They pull the fire alarm at 2 o'clock in the morning to get them to wake them up and to ruin their sleep cycle. People find out this information. I'm just curious, and I don't know if you know this or not, what, I wonder what the NHL is going to do to keep fans away because the last thing you want is Sidney Crosby, Malkin, Hornquist, they're walking out of the locker, out of the hotel and there's fans there waiting, trying to get autographs. Cause we know what fans are like. You just wouldn't want to expose them to that. Well, my guess is, and I, I have not read this, but I don't know if you've ever been to an Olympics or, or a major sporting events where they have that fencing. Yeah. And it's just, it's fencing. I, I w- it would not surprise me if they just took this, uh, 40 blocks, if, if that's indeed what it's going to be, down by the uh, – I don't know if you've ever been to Toronto, over there by the exhibition park where we're by the soccer stadium, and there's the, that's where the Marlies play, the hockey team. And they just – my guess is they will literally fence it off to basically keep people out and have security not allowing people to go in and out of there. Uh, again, I, I don't know that, that, but that would be my guess because your point is very – very well taken because we, we do know fans love to try to be around to get autographs, have any kind of interaction with athletes, and you, you can't have that. So my guess is there's almost probably going to be some kind of, if not a wall, some kind of fencing uh, to keep uh, people out. It's going to be interesting. And after reading your article, it really was just – it's a whole new layer. You know, you talk about the, the stress of – the, the virus itself and the testing precautions and everyone's talking about the physical safety. You don't really think about the mental side. So again, I'm going to tell our listeners by all means, go to dkpittsburghsports.com, Check out that article that ran today. It'll be on the site for a while. And if you have to pony up 99 cents for a month, you pony up 99 cents. I guarantee it's well worth it, but uh, I want to let you go, Tom. We're at about, about at the time. I want to give you an opportunity though, because you're new to the program and you're new to our website to plug your social media, what's your Twitter account so people can go on there and follow you so they don't miss a thing. Sure. I, one thing I want to say before I want to, my first yeah, correction, PK, Pittsburgh Sports, it's Jermaine Whitehead. It uh-huh. was not Jerome. That's why I looked at it <laughs> during our, our commercial break. Uh, Jerome Whitehead, I think, played for Marquette's national championship team back in the day. But oh, Jermaine yeah. Whitehead was the safety. Uh, it's T Reed1919 on Twitter. Very good. Give him a follow. Check out his work. It's amazing. I'm not BSing you. It's awesome. Tom, thank you for your time. Welcome to the team. We appreciate it. Everyone out there, have a safe holiday weekend. Happy 4th of July. We will see you back here Monday with a Mullinary Monday talking Pittsburgh Penguins. They're going to be starting a training camp soon. Get excited, folks. We'll see you next time. Take it easy.